Hello and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. And welcome to our second podcast on St. Patrick's Day. Hi, I'm Beth, and I'm going to be talking about some traditions here in the U.S. and abroad. This is Sydney, and I will be talking about some fun things to do with your kids over St. Patrick's Day. This is Cole, and I'm going to be talking about the Rankin Bass special, The Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. And this is Randy, and I will be talking about two movies that are fun to watch on St. Patrick's Day. And as always, we begin with our holiday happenings for the week. So I know we have seen Easter stuff out in the stores in force. Yes. Easter is still two months away, but right now you have the remainder of Valentine's Day, which isn't much. You've got the sales for the St. Patrick's Day items, which are right now about 30% off. And there aren't very many of them. Not very many things or yes. sales? Not very many things. Yeah, there really are a lot out there for St. Yeah. Patrick's Day. And now Easter is coming full force. So right. I'm sure we'll be seeing more of that in the stores to come. And then the other holiday happening we have is Beth and I will be on a Disney trip that we'll share at the following episode of Holiday Happenings. We're going there as part of our 30th anniversary tour of activities for the year. This, this is the first one that we know of. And <laughs> that we know of. That's right. <laughs> and we'll be enjoying our pass holder privileges down at Walt Disney World Resorts. That's right. Yay. Looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll share more on that in the weeks to come. So with that, we'll transition over to our first topic for the day. Which is the traditions here and abroad. This was interesting to me. I learned some things. Some of the things I knew and some of the things I learned is there are some things that you will do that I probably haven't found. But you can feel free to let us know on social media if I don't get to that. The first thing I found was the Green River in Chicago. Now, I wasn't aware that this happened, but it has been happening for the last 50 years. The the Chicago River gets dyed for St. Patrick's Day, a bright green. So there are two families, the Butler and the Rowan families, that are responsible for doing this, and they do it with a harmless orange vegetable dye. And the only way to become part of the six-person boat crew that does this is to be related by blood or marriage to either Mike Butler or Tom Rowan. Did you say they do it with an orange dye? Dye. That's what my research said. It so it becomes green when it, like the chemicals hit the water or something like that? Right. Yeah. Right. Hmm. I watched an aerial time-lapse video of this. It was very interesting. And it is a bright green that initially comes out. And you see the little boat. It gets up. Back, 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 back. And it's just really interesting to see how the green dye becomes incorporated into the river. And how long does it stay green? Just five hours. Five hours. About five hours. Interesting. Yes, and from what I understand, there are a lot of people that go to Chicago to watch the initial dyeing and then experience the Green River for those five hours. And party. Now, so they do it on the morning of St. Patrick's Day? Good question. I would think that they would, but that has no bearing whatsoever on what they actually do. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we look that up later? Or you can look it up if you're interested in that. And I do remember seeing that on many news feeds. You know, when I was a kid, obviously, it was just watching TV. You know, we didn't have the internet way back when I was little. little, But um, 
but I remember watching the newscast of the Chicago River being dyed green and pretty much every year. So It was very interesting to me. 50 years, and the only way to become part of it is to be related to Mike Butler or Tom Rowland. Isn't that interesting? It is. All right. So that's the first thing. The next thing that are traditions at St. Patrick's Day are the parades. Now, St. Patrick's Day began as a religious holiday in Ireland, but became a celebratory affair because of Irish Americans. And we've learned about that in the last podcast. Mm -hmm. Randy was talking about that. So New York City hosted the first St. Patrick's Day parade in 1762. And by the mid-19th century, parades were common for St. Patrick's Day. The next thing, if you guys have anything to say, you can just jump in. Well, and I found research that showed that St. Patrick's Day parades were in America in the 1730s. We talked about that the previous week. So I imagine that they maybe weren't recorded in in a major city, you know, as to why there's a discrepancy. I guess so. And yeah, I looked at several different places and they all agreed that New York City was the initial place. But you're right. If it's just localized right, towns or whatever. New York City may be the first large place that it happened that it got noticed. Shamrocks are another tradition for St. Patrick's Day. Legend has it that St. Patrick used the three-leafed shamrock to explain the Christian Holy Trinity. One God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. In Ireland, people wore shamrocks on their coats and closed the day, St. Patrick's Day, by drowning the shamrock, which meant placing it in a glass of whiskey before drinking it. (laughs) It's a good rousing way to finish up St. Patrick's Day. Another tradition is drinking beer. Now, there's two different kinds of beer that get drunk. (laughs) Drunk beer. On St. Patrick's Day. There's a Dublin-based Irish stout that everybody's probably familiar with, called Guinness. What? I've never heard of that. (laughs) Right? And that's the main beer that is... Consumed. Consumed. That's on St. Patrick's Day. On a typical day, Americans drink about 600,000 pints of the beer. Okay, just so you know, that was amazing to me in and of itself. Like a non-St. Patrick Day. A non... Just an average day. Americans, 600,000, which is crazy. But on St. Patrick's Day, we drink... About 3 million pints of Guinness. When you say we, you mean we... I mean Americans. Yes, but not we, us. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we don't participate in that. But that was amazing to me. Across the world, about 13 million pints of Guinness are consumed on St. Patrick's Day. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. And this is according to Guinness. This is yes. Guinness... Data. Data. Yes, thank you. So... Green beer is not an Irish tradition. It's an American tradition honoring the Irish. And it's now also a worldwide tradition. So from Vox.com, there's a 1910 headline from the Spokane Press that is really cute. And it says, in 1910, the Spokane Press used a headline to shout, Green beer, be jabbers. And be jabbers is like an excited... They said an excited swear word, but I think it's just probably just an excited expression. So, according to the paper, the First Avenue Bar served the beer to patriotic Irishmen and anybody else who wanted to drink a green brew. Whoever wrote about it had clearly been drinking some green beer, because this is actually a little article here that shows a couple sentences. And it says, well, it looks like one long sentence. (laughs) It says... 
It is a regular beer. Apparently, it has not been colored locally. It tastes like beer and looks like paint, or rather, like the deep green waves in mid-ocean with the sun striking them through. <laughs> so there is a very poetic way to look at that. And they said it hasn't been colored locally, but it probably was. Because <laughs> all, all it is is adding blue dye to yellow beer, and it makes it green. Another tradition is Irish food. The main food consumed on St. Patrick's Day is corned beef and cabbage. Now, I don't remember ever having that. Do you remember having that? No, but I had friends who did. We didn't have it at our house traditionally. We didn't have any specific food for For St. Patrick's Day. Day, Other than probably like cupcakes, like some kind of dessert or something. Yes. Corned beef and cabbage is a popular Irish meal, but only half of it is considered Irish. Cabbage is a staple of the Irish diet, but it is traditionally eaten with Irish bacon, according to Christian Science Monitor. The tradition of corned beef started in America when the Irish immigrants couldn't afford bacon and corned beef was a cheaper alternative. That's where that came from. Another Irish food that is much less common, but I saw a lot of information on it and recipes for it on the internet, is Irish soda bread. That's not traditionally what you think of, but I actually printed out a couple recipes because it looked like it was not really difficult to make and it looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think throughout my research with Irish traditions related to St. Patrick's Day and stuff, I also saw a lot of um, information about soda bread. Right. The final tradition here in America that I'm going to talk about is wearing green slash leprechauns. So, <laughs> I'm combining Are them. Are you slashing repre- I'm leprechauns? I'm slashing the whole thing. Are you wearing thing. leprechauns? I'm making these two things a one. Wearing green. If you don't wear green, you might get pinched on St. Patrick's Day. Why? Why? Exactly. <laughs> no, I really want to know why. Please stop. <laughs> yeah, stop trying to pinch me. Just wear green, then you won't be pinched. Oh, okay. The tradition is tied to folklore saying that wearing green makes you invisible to leprechauns, which like to pinch anyone they can see. So if you wear green, you'll be invisible. The leprechauns won't pinch you. And apparently, Americans won't either. So <laughs> if you're very short, maybe you could wear red and pass yourself off as a leprechaun. But as nobody we, would know that. As we learned from... Right, from the last podcast. <laughs> right, well, the leprechauns would know that. Yeah, well, according to this, <laughs> the leprechauns... They switched green. at some point, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or in America, they did Leprechauns are mischievous, so the night before St. Patrick's Day, they can get into your house and do all sorts of things. My friend Jean is Irish, and I remember her telling me that on St. Patrick's Day, her son would wake up to all sorts of things that the leprechauns did throughout the night, including turning things over, misplacing things, Like things would end up in the refrigerator that shouldn't be in the refrigerator. Right. Really, really cute. It's something that I never grew up yeah, with. None of it was mean-spirited. It was oh, just no. right. like little trickster. Right. Thing. But it was a lot of fun for her right. son to wake up and have this experience. Some other things leprechauns can do for kids is leave little green footprints using washable paint. <laughs> <laughs> drop shamrocks or gold coins throughout the house for the kids to find. And I thought this was funny. One of the things that I found was turning the toilet water green. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Oh. Does that mean it was like used? I don't or? think so. I think they were just turning things green. Yeah. That so, one raises more questions than answers for me. Right, yeah. But the, she said her kids just always got a kick out of running to the bathroom and seeing if they had turned the 
toilet water green. But that's something if you do it year after year. Like you have to kind of maintain it for the kids to be able to anticipate it. Yeah. You can get as creative as you want. There are a lot of ideas out there. If you would like to submit some ideas for your local leprechauns to do the night before (laughs) St. Patrick's Day. And the last thing I found about this is tradition says if you're able to catch a leprechaun, they have to grant you three wishes, which I would... Some traditions. Right. St. Patrick's Day is actually a holiday that is celebrated around the world. I'm going to go down through a few of the different countries and some ways that they celebrate. In Argentina, it's the home to the largest St. Patrick's Day celebration in South America. Buenos Aires. And I'm pretty sure that's not... Buenos Aires. How do you say Hosts an annual street festival in the heart of the city. This event features music, dance performances by Celtic Argentina, and lots of beer shared among family and friends. You know, it's interesting because I actually found out that Argentina has the fourth largest Irish population in the world. Really? Yeah. That's very interesting. There's a very large population of Irish immigrants in Argentina. Well, then that makes sense. Yeah. In Australia, Sydney, Australia welcomes over 80,000 people every year for the biggest St. Patrick's Day parade in the Southern Hemisphere and the only celebration outside of Ireland sponsored by the Irish government. This year's Green Gathering, they call it, will take place in Prince Alfred Park and feature family activities, crafts from local artisans, marching bands, and Celtic dancers. In New Zealand, which is close to Australia, as the largest city in the New Zealand Daylight Time Zone, Auckland is always the first to begin the global celebration of St. Patrick's Day with the Auckland Irish Society Fair, followed by the elaborate Emerald Ball at the Pullman Hotel, and the Auckland Gaelic Athletic Association will hold its championships and festivities and end with the parade throughout the city. Next, we'll move on to Montserrat. On this Caribbean island, St. Patrick's Day is celebrated with a week-long festival, including traditional costumes, dancing, food, and song. The main celebration is the masquerade attended by people of Montserrat, decked out in colorful hats and filled with dancing and festivities. Moving on to Singapore. Like the Emerald Chicago River, the Singapore River is dyed green for the largest St. Patty's Day celebration in Southeast Asia. Attendees don green and orange costumes, and a motorcycle convoy leads a vibrant parade through the city streets. The St. Patrick's Society of Singapore also throws an annual ball complete with Irish dancing, live music, and plenty of Irish brew. The last one I'm going to talk about is Turkey. A short walk away from one of Istanbul's most vibrant nightlife streets, the city's Irish Center hosts a lively festival at the James Joyce Pub, featuring Irish dance, music, traditional Irish dishes such as fried tomatoes and soda bread, and of course, Irish beer. This venue is renowned for its colorful atmosphere and authentic Irish fare. You know, it's interesting because when I was looking at St. Patrick's Day, it really is an international holiday. It's celebrated in all parts of the world that you wouldn't think of and you wouldn't normally think have Irish populations. I think Bulgaria, Russia, a lot of places, Japan, all have big Irish celebrations. Yeah. And it's not just a like a drinking and partying kind of affair. It's a, it can be a whole family thing that you bring your kids to. Right, and, it's celebrating Irish right. tradition. It's dancing, right. Among many music. things that you can do with your kids right. for St. Patrick's Day. Right. Yes, and among other things that you can do with your kids, mm-hmm. 
at home, kind of referencing what mom was saying earlier. Yeah, if you don't want to take them out onto the drinking streets of whatever city that you may be living <laughs> right. in. Yeah. Right, the right. Drunken you want to go for more yeah. kid-friendly More things. family fun. Right. Yes. One of the things that you can do is create a leprechaun trap Oh, to actually catch the trickster himself. Wow. Trick the trickster. That's right. So this can be fun if you have young children. You can get a kit. I found one at Target. Or you can make one yourself. You know, it depends on what you want to do. So this kit has a green box. So the idea is this box will create the trap for the little wee leprechaun. It's a green box and you decorate it. You want to make it as appealing as possible. It came with Irish stickers. I have placed Irish and leprechaun stickers all over it. Like shamrocks, rainbows. So now it's interesting because there are horseshoe stickers on this side. And I I guess that's because they're lucky. Right. right. I saw those in Yeah, It's the combining. It's the 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 concept of the lucky. Right. Luckiness. Right. I guess the American and the Irish mixing right. together. That's right. As you're decorating this box, keep in mind that this box is going to be upside down. Right. With the lid flat and horizontal on the table or ground, and the body of the box pretty much at a um, an acute angle with one side held up by a stick to make the box into a trap. Right. The short side of the box. Yes. yes. You prop that up with a, your stick. Mm-hmm. So think of the bottom of the box as the top of the box. Exactly. More or less. Right. When you decorate For the it. trap. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea is that once the leprechaun touches the stick and knocks it over, the body of the box will fall on top of him, trapping him inside. So decorate your box. My box is gold on the inside as well. So it's super appealing. appealing. <laughs> Another thing to that, leprechauns. To leprechauns, that's right. Well, um, to any reasonable person. <laughs> right. Uh, anybody who likes yeah. sparkles. That's right. Next is either to cut out, or mine came with a little piece of paper that's pretty much all the colors of the rainbow. And you put that in front of your box. Kind of like a welcome mat. Yeah, yeah. like a red carpet thing. So you say all the colors of the rainbow, because I'm seeing pink, orange, yellow, and well. three different shades of blue. <laughs> <laughs> A green. Oh, it's green. Yeah, that's funny. It's like a green blue color. <laughs> it looks blue to me. Like if it's I looked at that, looks... I'd say that's sea foam, that's teal, and that's like a sky blue. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. It's it's how people look at colors yeah. different ways because that's, of their That's what I it's not Roy G. Biv. <laughs> it's whatever colorful rainbow that you want to yeah, have. That's, that's right. right. That's right. As long as it's appealing, right? Bright colors. And then what you do is... So wait, you're saying not brown, gray, and black? Right. Again, you want to make it appealing. (laughs) (laughs) Unless your leprechaun is coming straight out of Hot Topic. (laughs) Finally, lay leprechaun gold coins over the rainbow and have it lead into the box trap. Finishing it off by placing a nice big pile of the coins right smack dab in the trap, making it irresistible for the leprechaun. Because you want them to get into the box. Yes. This kit came with everything, but I mean, if you don't want to get the kit, it's very easy to make. I did actually catch a leprechaun. <laughs> you did? I did. I did. Did you get pictures? I did. You must not have made very good wishes because you're still here. I know. So I think the point <laughs> is tricked. what we said earlier was either get the three wishes or get more leprechaun gold. You can see him. I have pictures here. You can see him kind of peeking around. I managed to yep. get a picture of him. And then... Oh, oh, oh you got him. That's, That's right. right. We'll have yes. to post those on Instagram then. Yes, we will. And I caught him actually 
with a coin in his hand and one under his arm. Oh, he was ready to. How to cute is that? Head off with it. <laughs> adorable. So that's something fun that you can do with your kids. Wasn't wasting time with the whole pile. He was no. taking what he could carry and getting out of there. <laughs> I could carry two. Not fast. I could carry two. The little guys. I know. Compared to him, those are big coins. That's right. He did not have deep pockets. <laughs> and another thing that you can do with your kids is kind of like a hide-and-seek game. You can either buy or make a gold shamrock. Like I found one for 2 to $3, I think, at Target. And the idea is that you hide it around the house so that the kids can go and find it. And once you find it, they the kids have a reward, right? So it's either getting a gold coin from the leprechaun's pot or I found these little cauldrons at Hobby Lobby and they're super cute. I think it came with like six each. It was uh, six coins each? No, six cauldrons. cauldrons each. And they're like maybe like two inches by one inch. They're short little cauldrons. They are and they were maybe like three to four dollars for six of them and they actually fit the and chocolate I bought, yeah. yeah, I bought some chocolate gold coins wow, and huge. they fit yeah. in the little cauldron. So another thing that you can do is give your kid like, you know, their own little cauldron of a yeah, good a little pot, pot of gold. And I think yeah. a pot of gold rather than a cauldron of gold. Yeah. Because the cauldron's really more associated with witches than Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so it's a, it's a little it's pot cute. of gold. It's what I would think when I see a leprechaun when, yeah. right. you know, what you typically think of and you can fill it up with really whatever. Exactly. Right. Like with little goodies. You can even make it into more of a scavenger hunt game. Right. Like with, with clues. With or... clues. Maybe there's a clue on each shamrock that you have to go find. These are just some fun activities that you can do. Fairly easy. And, you know, help make St. Patrick's Day more fun for your... Yeah, fun and memorable. And some things that you can put in the pot are gold coins, either with chocolate or fake gold coins as well. Maybe hide them in a, a patch of shamrocks if you have one nearby. <laughs> I know that's what the leprechauns did in in the movie the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. Oh. Was he had them on a hill hidden by a large patch of shamrocks. That was a very f- interesting movie, as most of the Rankin Bass movies are. And this one is it's Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. So it's kind of St. Patrick's, but also Christmas. It's interesting because there's not really any reason for it to be Christmas. To say Christmas in the title? Yeah. There's there's no <laughs> real Is that reason. right? There's no connection to Christmas? There's not really... Except well, it's Christmas gold? In name only. Like, they call it Christmas gold. Oh. And the next day is Christmas. But nothing really Christmassy happens. Wait, it's St. Patrick's Day and then the very next day is Christmas? No. That's oh, completely wrong. It is... Uh, okay. It is Christmas Eve when the movie takes place. Oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah, why? Okay. So then the Chris, when Christmas Day happens, but there's no snow, there's no reindeer, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing right. that indicates it's Christmas. So the way that it goes down is that there's an Irish ship sailing, and the captain wants a Christmas tree, but he doesn't have one on board, and that makes him really sad, I guess. <laughs> the captain spots an island with a pine tree on the shore. He wants this pine tree as a Christmas tree. He tells his cabin boy named Dinty Doyle. <laughs> as they are wont to be. Yep. Dinty Doyle. That's a very flattering name. <laughs> so he tells Dinty Doyle to go on one of their little boats and go get the tree for him. So Dinty Doyle goes to this little island where there's a bunch of leprechauns watching him. 
These are little, little leprechauns. These are like the, the foot high ones. And there are men, women, children. Oh, okay. So it's That's a whole little leprechaun society. So they don't want him to dig up the tree, but they don't tell him not to do it until it's too late. They're like behind a group of rocks and they're saying like, he shouldn't do that, should he, mother? Oh, he shouldn't do that, should he, grandfather? Well, he shouldn't do that, should he? <laughs> and by the time they get around with theirs, he shouldn't do that, he's dug up the tree. So when he does dig up the tree, a bunch of bubbles come up from it, and a bunch of salty seawater comes up, and a banshee pops out. What? So the tree was keeping the banshee stuck there. So interesting how the banshee is connected with leprechauns. I didn't really realize that at all. Yeah. So I started watching these movies and doing some research on them. Well, I think those are two of the big Irish mythical creatures that people know about. But in this version, the banshee, it's almost more like a sailor's kind of tales Mm -hmm. take on the banshee. The banshee is constantly crying, and she's crying salty... Tears. Tears. And if by Christmas Day she doesn't have gold, she'll turn into seawater. That is unfortunate. Yeah, that's very unfortunate (laughs) for her. So she's always trying to trick the leprechauns into giving her their gold. And the trick is that the gold has to be given freely. She can't steal it. So she starts a storm which blows Dinty Doyle's ship away. So he's now stranded on the island. And when the storm ends, he sees a rainbow. And at the end of a rainbow is the gold hidden in the hill underneath the shamrocks. And a leprechaun named Blarney Kilikalarney. <laughs> I love I that. Guess, I guess they went a little overboard with the Irish name there. Blarney Kilikalarney. Blarney Kilikalarney is there, and he threatens Dinty Doyle with a knife. Oh! Um, <laughs> wow. To keep him got real. <laughs> his gold. <Yep. laughs> it's going hey, down, man. Business. But it's interesting because Blarney Kilkalarney, I'm just going to say the whole thing because I, I love to say great. it, tells Dinty Doyle a story about the Banshee and him and his wife and how he split up from his wife. One thing that I should mention is that the Banshee can take the form of any, I guess, any person or anything. So the Banshee took the form of an angel and went to the leprechaun's wife. And tried to get her to convince the leprechaun to give the guardian angel his gold. But he knew that it was the banshee. So he told her that he wasn't going to ever give the guardian angel the gold. And she said, no, it's just a good spirit. It's just a guardian angel. And he called her daft. And <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's a problem. And they split up. And um, I think I remember, like, there was some throwing of objects yeah. as well. Like, she was pretty mad at him. Um... And there are two different types of leprechauns, which I may have mentioned last week in this version. They're the shoemakers and they're the gold miners. So he was a gold miner and she was a shoemaker. And I guess the shoemakers were not as smart as the gold miners <laughs> or something. Baby. That's what in his story he seemed to imply. <laughs> Blarney Kilikalarney, the gold miner. I just thought it might be fun. Like Marnie Kilikalarney or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> The Banshee called Mag the Hag. These are great names. These are great names, aren't they? (laughs) Mag the Hag, good job. The Banshee, Mag the Hag, is fooled by St. Patrick. He's like this little leprechaun with like a clergyman's hat and uh, (laughs) the staff. So St. Patrick becomes a leprechaun? He's a leprechaun. (laughs) Who 
tricks the Banshee into turning into seawater. Because she says she can turn into everything. And he says, of course you can, and I'll give you the gold. I just I just want to see that you can do it. Like, if you say you can do it, then, you know, I want to see that you can do it. That's, like, the most obvious trick. You know? Right. <laughs> but Meg the Hag doesn't right. know Right, Meg the Hag doesn't know any better. It's like, what was it, the Jack and the Beanstalk, where the giant could turn into anything. So oh, it yes. says, turn, turn into a fly. Yes. And then he kills it. Right. So it's sort of the same kind of fairy tale. Well, if you can do it. So... Uh, Mag the Hag turns into seawater, and Blarney Killakalarney runs out with a pine cone and plants it on her. The tree grows, and she's like, no, you tricked me! (laughs) (laughs) As hags would want to do. As hags would want to do. So then the tree grew there, so she was trapped as long as the tree was there. Blarney Killakalarney is very much the hero of his own story, the only smart leprechaun. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not sure if this is like... Supposed to be unreliable narrator kind of story or or what. But Mag the Hag pours a potion of generosity into the tea that Blarney Kelkalarney is drinking with Dinty Doyle. As he's telling the story. As he's telling the story. Okay. So she pours it in like through a hole in the roof or something like that. So then she comes down and she's like, give me the gold. And... Blarney Kilikalarney has had the potion of generosity. So, of course, he says, I'll give the gold to you and points at Dinty Doyle. So then he says, make sure that she never gets it, lad. Be vigilant and everything. And he's like, I will. I'll never give it to, you know, anyone. So you can always tell. I'm guessing this isn't going to last Yeah, this isn't going to last very long. So you can always tell it's the Banshee when she's in her other forms by the fact that she can never stop crying. There are always tears going on her face. Oh. So the guardian angel was always crying, and any form that she takes is always crying. Now, is that the case because banshees are made of tears? Yeah, they're made of tears, which is why they can turn into tears, which people say is like the salty seawater kind of thing. Dinty Doyle <laughs> goes out, and his ship is gone, and he comes across a crying girl, and she says she's shipwrecked there. I'm assuming like five minutes. <laughs> he comes across first crying person. She's like his age. She's like pretty. So she's like, if you give me the gold, I'll have the leprechauns build us a ship. And the two of us can sail back to Ireland together. And he was like, yes, of course, I give you the gold. <laughs> so it's like five minutes out. First person he runs across. They don't waste any time. Because like another movie would have him like, be almost tricked a few times and then... Right, yeah. yeah. Not necessary. A few fake out. We'll just right, get right no, to it. Not necessary. Just first person he comes across. Crying. Yep, crying. Of course, she reveals herself. She is the Banshee. What? So she goes to get the gold, but she doesn't make it in time because Leprechaun St. Patrick pulls a Gandalf and makes the sun come <laughs> up early and she's turned into tears. And so does she, she stay there or does next year she come back to... As far as I know, she dies. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, she's gone. So that's over. All the leprechauns are happy and the wife comes back and she admitted that she was wrong. And <laughs> he was like, oh, I was too harsh on you, but I was also right. <laughs> it was only about 25 minutes, but it was a fun short. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, like, a totally. lot more than I expected to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe it's because they had funny characters like Blarney Killikalarney, <laughs> Dinty Doyle, Mag the Hag, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a few fun songs in there, too. 
Some people actually make the mistake of thinking that Christmas in Killarney came from this movie, but it actually predates this movie because it was a very popular song in the 1940s. But they do play it in this movie. In the movie. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. I love that Christmas time. Yes. Christmas in Killarney. Yeah, so I remember watching this movie. I watched most of it just last year, I think, when we were down at Disney. And I watched up to when he gave the gold to Dinty Doyle. Mm-hmm. And just even from that point, it was just really enjoyable. And I thought it was an absolute like, yeah. cute movie. And it's interesting because when I was looking up plot summaries and stuff for it, a lot of people didn't like this movie. A lot really? of people said that it wasn't fun enough or trippy enough to be like a fun Rankin Bass movie. Like it was really just isolated to this island and it was just the leprechauns, Mag the Hag, just this short sort of thing. There were no Miser Brothers. Or, there were no <laughs> yeah. like Knights <laughs> right. or anything like that. But it was a really enjoyable short. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Fun. I think I will. So that movie was... Animagic. That movie was Animagic, right? Right. Right, so it's sort of what you would think of, not claymation, but what you would sort of think of as that stop motion kind of... Right, that Rudolph and those movies. Right, are, Rudolph and You're Without a Santa Claus, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, that right, kind of thing. Well, I watched a couple of live action movies related to Ireland that were suggested as good St. Patrick's Day viewing. The first one is actually a 1948 film called The Luck of the Irish, and it was directed by Henry Coster. And it had a number of stars in it that kind of look like more popular stars, but aren't. So I thought that was funny. They, they look similar, but when I looked up their names, I didn't recognize them. Um, like Tyrone Power, Ann Baxter, um, uh, Lee Cobb, some of the names from the actors of the 40s. So in the first one, The Luck of the Irish, Stephen Fitzgerald, he goes by Fitz, is a freelance American newspaper reporter. Pretty Irish name. Yep. Fitz. Would have been more Irish as... Learning to learning, but and, and he is this, <laughs> but it gets this okay. okay. Yeah. He and his European editor colleague Bill Clark are in Ireland for some work, and they get lost in the countryside when they're trying to leave Ireland by getting to the Shannon Airport. And their car comes across this really kind of rickety bridge, so they get out and they walk on it, and it seems fine. So they get back in the car, and as soon as they get on it, it collapses. Oh Unfortunately, it's like two feet to the water, but basically the bridge is gone at that point. And uh, so they're they're stranded. The car's in water. It won't start again. So Fitz leaves to seek some help on, for a village or something. And he comes across this waterfall in the middle of the woods. And he meets a person, an old shoemaker, who's sitting next to the waterfall working on some shoes named Horace. And he's got a green coat on with some brass buttons. And Horace just gives him some directions at that time to the village of Balinabun. Balinabun. They walk to Balinabun, but the village is actually sea-locked. The bridge they went over was the only way off the little island part of this area, and it's sea-locked. So they have to wait until a ship comes that can come get them, and they can't go back to the airport. So they are basically stranded in this little village for a little while. They get a room in this little kitty walk inn, and you know they start meeting people and talking to people. And of course, there's a pretty young lady there that Fitz and her get along with. And when Fitz is talking to the innkeeper, he's talking to him of how he got help from this guy named Horace by the waterfall. And Fitz says, there is no waterfall up there. He said, no, you know, by the pond. He says, I know the pond, but there's no waterfall. He decides to go back and find out 
if there is a waterfall. And there's whiskey involved. There's a lot of <laughs> complexity involved. But basically, Fitz sees the guy and follows him to the waterfall and then tackles him and captures him. And he thinks this is all just like a, a elaborate ruse? hoax, like a ruse, that they're um, playing on him, like a joke. Uh-huh. So they ca- he captures him and because the guy said, oh, you probably encounter a leprechaun. And he says, yeah, right. So he, when he captures him, he's joking around like, give me your pot of gold, you leprechaun. And he's joking. But Horace, who is a leprechaun, right? And he's about, I'd say he's about five foot tall. He's saying, no, 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 I don't want to give you my gold. Fitz is like playing around, tackling him, and but won't let him go. So Horace finally says, fine, I'll show you where my gold is. It's under this bush. It's like a brambles bush. He makes Horace take it out, and it actually is gold. So then Fitz is like, well, this can't be real gold. So he's like, yeah, you guys really went to great lengths to fool me. And then he realizes, oh, no, it's real gold. He's like, oh, that's weird. So he says, well, I'm not going <laughs> to steal your gold from you. Here's your gold back. Well, Leprechaun has never encountered a human who's mm. given the gold back once he's found it. And he doesn't really know how to act. He's like shocked that this... He's like, really? He's like, yeah, no, I'm t- you're an old man. Here's your gold. So he says, all right, thanks. And as Fitz is walking away... Horace says, well, here, take this with you. And he flips him a gold coin. It ends up being a, a doubloon from the 1600s. But it's an old coin that he carries with him. He says, okay, well, thanks. And he goes back to the village. And from that point forward, a number of good things happen to him. Like, the ship comes right away. They thought the ship was going to take weeks to get there. It comes the first time he looks out at the sea. There it is coming in. <laughs> he's sad to leave because he's connected with the woman, the daughter of the innkeeper, who's named Nara. But he needs to go back to his job, to his life. So they say goodbye. He goes back to New York City. Jeez. In New York, Fitz works for this influential publisher turned politician who's kind of all about money and prestige, right? He's not really about you know doing things for good politicians' sake. And he wants Fitz basically to be his ad man, his person that's creating his image because he's really good at writing. And his daughter really likes Fitz as well and wants something romantic there so then along the way what happens because good things start happening to Fitz Horace the leprechaun follows him eventually to New York and becomes his manservant so somebody like his butler in his house but he denies that it's him and Fitz keeps thinking no I've seen you before and the guy (laughs) said no nope never seen you before (laughs) so with Horace there Horace helps lead Fitz down the path to realize that the life he should have isn't the life he's going after at the moment. Oh. That he should have a life where he enjoys his work, where he finds a woman who loves him for who he is and will help be the man he is. So Horace ends up manufacturing a way for Nora to come to America for Fitz to encounter her, because normally they wouldn't have encountered each other. And he sets this all up. And the interesting thing is Horace always stays about the same height, about five feet tall. So he's not really little. And you never see any obvious magic in any of it. It's all very situational magic. Like, he sets it up so that encounters happen at the right time, the right place. So it's very kind of interesting in that perspective. And as you can guess, and you can watch the movie, I thought it was actually a pretty good movie. Mm -hmm. In the end, Fitz realizes all the good things that he should be pursuing instead of the bad things. It's kind of like right towards the, the very end. And he actually ends up moving to that little village in Ireland with Nora and but also writing which is what he wanted to do but not for a political person so yeah it's a fun black and white movie from 1948 that I thought was pretty fun to watch for St. Patrick's Day the second one 
we mentioned last week have a pretty significant impact on how we view leprechauns in the United States, according to a number of sources I read. And that's Darby O'Gill and the Little People. So that was in 1959. It was in color, unlike the last one. And it was actually a Disney-produced film. So Disney, who was half Irish, considered producing a film in Ireland about leprechauns to be titled The Little People. And he had made several trips to Ireland, kind of scoping it out and getting the script and the scenes right before the movie was made. But that never quite materialized the way he wanted it to. So he ended up with this story about Darby O'Gill and the King Brian of the King of the Leprechauns. They started filming it in 58 and it featured mostly Irish actors, but it was shot entirely in California on the Disney lot. Now the studio had borrowed Scottish actor Sean Connery from 20th Century Fox to have the role of Michael in this movie. And that was the first film that Connery made in the United States. It was also the first and only film that Connery sang in. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so he sings a little song in there. He actually had two songs in there, but one was cut. And they thought about dubbing another singer over Connery's voice for his song Pretty Irish Girl, but they decided against it and kept his voice in, which I thought was better because it sounded a little more natural. He well, did, it doesn't actually sound bad, no, I don't it, think. No, he doesn't sing bad, and it sounds like his voice. He has a very distinctive voice. In the course of the story, like he's just singing as he's working kind of thing. Right, exactly. I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so a short little summary of this, because again, you know, no spoilers. I guess there's some spoilers for a 1959 <laughs> movie. So Darby O'Gill is an old man in Ireland. And he's a caretaker for a home there. And he, he seems to be full of blarney as an old codger in Ireland. But the stories of leprechauns he tells at the pub are true. In fact, he and the tiny King Brian, ruler of the little people, the leprechauns, are friendly adversaries, continually outfoxing each other. Darby needs a bit of magical help from the wily king when Lord Fitzpatrick, who's the lord of the manor that he serves at, replaces him as the caretaker with the handsome, strapping young Michael from Dublin, who's played by Sean Connery. Michael falls in love with Darby's beautiful daughter, Katie, which is all right with Darby, but the lad has a rival in a local ruffian, the son of a devious widow who wants her boy to be the caretaker, because a caretaker is like the cushy job, basically. You get paid a lot and you have a lot of prestige. King Brian, again, the leprechauns, supernatural assistance is necessary to make everything come out all right, but the sneaky leprechaun won't play matchmaker without a fight. Finally, real trouble comes in the form of the Banshee. So a Banshee comes towards the end, and Darby needs all his quick wits to save his daughter from the wicked spirit. So that's kind of the, the overview. So I started to take notes during the movie of different things about leprechauns because of my previous research into leprechauns and how it's not always consistent. So some of the things that this movie said that kind of carried forward were early in the pub, Darby says leprechauns can't use their magic as long as you maintain eye contact with them. Darby catches the king at one point and demands three wishes from him and threatens him with a curse from the father of a blessing from him. So he threatens the king with a Christian curse, basically, oh, by blessing him. So the blessing would be a curse to the leprechaun king. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. It's kind of like that. a little paganistic right, creature, exactly. I guess. Right. And at that point, that time he catches him, he wishes for health. He wishes for a big crop of potatoes. 
and then he wishes for a crock of gold and he gets them all and he's really careful how he wishes because again the king is always looking for ways to twist like if you wish for the crock of gold but not for health then you might die because he's done this several times with the king is very aware of how specific you have to be but the king tricks him into wishing for a fourth thing and if you make a fourth wish it negates the other three wishes so all those things go away and that comes to play at the end of the movie so we're talking about the, how old are leprechauns the king in this movie is 5,000 years old which makes it why it is so hard to trick him and get his gold because he's so wise in this particular movie there are songs they do sing occasionally and there was a big dance scene by the leprechauns with Darby in the castle area and I found a note about the leprechauns palace that they put together so it was large enough to accommodate 40 horses in a circular dance routine so in this dance scene at some point they get on horses before they go off and out and they're actually on the horses in this huge area so are they little horses then well like in the story in the story yes they're little horses so the dance scene only darby's big and the leprechauns are always small they're always about maybe 20 inches mm-hmm. tall and the other thing i read was how did they do that because when you look at it from today's standard it's actually pretty good i remember that that it doesn't look like a cheap effect no when and all they really did was the perspective where they had darby close to the camera and everything else was far away Uh, So they did just a forced perspective approach. So that was interesting. The other thing that I find out about leprechauns in this movie is that leprechauns can't do magic in daylight. So at one point, he tricks the king into drinking until morning. And he's able to catch him in daylight because the king can't do any um, magic then. That seems like a really important thing to not get tricked into. (laughs) Right. As I mentioned later, the banshee comes. And part of the end scene is that Darby sacrifices himself in order to save his daughter. And the sacrifice puts him onto this death coach, like a stagecoach kind of thing in the end. And the Banshee is the herald for the death coach. The way the king, Brian, helps Darby get out of that was that wish for the death coach was Darby's third wish. So the king shows up on the death coach with Darby and tricks him into saying a fourth wish which negates the first three wishes, which means that Darby got kicked out of the death coach. So there's some plot holes there simply because you think, well, then doesn't that also negate the wish that his daughter got better? (laughs) But it doesn't. In the end, all those things kind of come together and everything works out, works out perfectly. Some interesting points there. A few trivia points. With the death of Kieran Moore in 2007, Sean Connery became the last surviving member of this cast. And still is today. So I thought that was interesting. The actors who played leprechauns were not given any credit for the screen. Nor did Walt Disney allow any other material to be published about them in the marketing for the film. Disney's intention was to give the illusion he was using real leprechauns for the filming. That is so funny. Yeah. That is so, hilarious. He actually had this pre-event in 1954. So before this was released, this thing called... On the magical world of Disney called I Captured the King of the Leprechauns, in which he and Darby, the person who played Darby, managed to corner the king, the King Brian, and convince him to participate in the film along with his people. That's so oh, funny. Oh, that is funny. And in the opening credits to the film, it includes the following statement signed by Walt Disney's, you know, this classic signature that you see. It says, My thanks to King O'Brien of Kaknashiga and his leprechauns 
whose gracious cooperation made this picture possible. That's so funny. Aww. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, so I have a, both... a bummer, though, if you were one of the actors that were the leprechauns. Yeah. Especially the king. <laughs> he doesn't even get credit. Yeah, so I thought these, both of these films were fun. Films that you watch on St. Patrick's Day, but really any day, but they do have mm. leprechauns in it. And they both have very different viewpoints of leprechauns as well. So that's a fun things to do on St. Patrick's Day with your family. Yep. Yeah. And that ends our St. Patrick's Day episodes. We will end this particular podcast with our future festivities, of course, for the week of March 18th. So on March 18th is Supreme Sacrifice Day. March 19th is Poultry Day. March 20th this year is the uh, the spring equinox. So spring actually begins on March 20th. Mm. March 21st is the Jewish celebration Purim, which is based on the story of Esther. March 22nd is National Goof-Off Day. Awesome. March 23rd is National Puppy Day. And March 24th is National Chocolate-Covered Raisin Day. Hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, right? So, as always, you can follow us on social media. For Twitter, it's, you can follow us at Holiday underscore Moons. For Instagram, it's at Holiday Moons. For Facebook, you can find us by searching for Holiday Moons. Our website is randallmoon.wixsite.com slash holidaymoons. And you can reach out to us on Gmail using holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Beth, Sydney, Cole, and Randy, Happy St. Patrick's Day! Day.